three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hale alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like this. The Fox scores five in the open court. It's into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez, and we got a really special guest on here today, our first ex-player on the show. We got Doug Christie. How you doing, Doug, man? Uh, all is well, Brendan. Uh, I hope you're well, staying safe. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing all right, man. Thanks for asking. Yeah, man, I hope the same for you. And let's start it off here with what are you, what are you doing to keep yourself busy during this quarantine, man? Uh, you know, Grant and I are still doing radio daily, so, you know, Grant's doing from home. I go to the studio. The studio is pretty bleak, you know. It's uh, me and Chris Verlade and Jay in there, so, you know, I'm in one room there and another, and so social distancing, and they make sure and keep everything clean. So daily, even though we don't have necessarily a whole lot to talk about in the world of sports, there are different things. Um, we've had everyone from Harlan Coben, who is a world-renowned author, to Drew Pearson from the Cowboys, who a wide receiver back in the 70s in uh, it's been refreshing. So we, we talk about uh, their lives and different stuff as opposed to some of the people that we have on. We might talk about what is going on, uh, how was the game last night. And this has been a, a little bit different. So that, hanging out with my, my wife and son at home and uh, also doing a little bit of golfing, get out and hit some balls and uh, just try to practice social distancing and stay safe at the same time, man. Definitely. And and I want to go back to a little bit of the start of Doug. Like, when did you realize that you were going to be able to make it in the league? And then um, or we'll, we'll start there before we get into Washington a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it actually, uh, Brendan, it, it coincides, actually, to be honest with you, because when, when I was um, – when I was young in at Rainier Beach High School in Seattle, which has now put out Jamal Crawford, Nate Robinson, and Kevin Porter Jr., and we've gone on and on. It's something in the water. That was the first time that I had ever heard somebody say my dream out loud besides myself, and that was my head coach, Mel Williams. We were having a bad practice. It was my junior year, and he blows the whistle and, you know, coaching was a little different then. He used some superlatives and things that I can't necessarily say on here how bad the practice was going. Feel free. Feel free. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> it, you know, listen, you, you guys, out of all you guys in here, I'm going to be honest, there's only probably one person that that can make it to the NBA. And, you know, we're just some hood kids, so we're like, you know, we're looking like, you know, who are they talking about? about to say? <laughs> Absolutely. And and he said my name. And right then, uh, my my dream crystallized and it became real to me. Before it was go to the playground, you know, I'm Magic Johnson, watch out, you know, three, two, one. It was, you know, all that. And, and I was okay, but I wasn't the best kid in my neighborhood at that time. It, it took a while for that to happen. And once that happened, to be honest with you, um, there was probably a, another time in college. Um, actually, it coincided with me hurting my knee. Um, I was thinking, you know, I was a junior and I was like, you know, I, you know, I think I'm good enough to, to go to the NBA. And during the tournament, uh, to go to the NCAA tournament, our conference tournament, I hurt my knee. 
and that was kind of maybe pump your brakes. But there's been a, a couple times, but Mel Williams is the one that stands out in my mind because he spoke truth to my dream. Uh, yeah, and to focus on Washington a little bit, I mean, like you said, there's a bunch of guys coming out of there. Do you feel like there is a style of baller that really comes out of Washington? Like you think of New York, you get like these shifty ball handlers, right? Do you feel yeah. like there's a style from Washington? You know, part of a Washington baller is in our DNA is is there's a heart that comes with it. Um, whether growing up young and having to travel from the South End to the CD to different areas and, you know, Othello Park and all these places, and you have to play against grown men with, you know, alcohol on their breath. And <laughs> you got to, you know, when you look at a guy like Nate, uh, you can see that, that heart. When you look at Brandon Roy, you can you can see that heart. And this, the same with, with Jamal. Um, it, it was a badge of honor in many ways. But we have well-rounded players that come out of Seattle, man. Like, you know, a lot of us can do a lot of different things. You know, Nate was a scoring guard, but he was smaller. Uh, so you could play him at point, but he could put the ball in the hole. Jamal, you could play him at point. You could play him at, at two if you wanted to. Myself, I could play pretty much every position that I had side to play um so well-rounded players that that come out of washington is probably another key um, attribute that we have yeah definitely see that in yourself and like you said the guys you mentioned and being a king show we're going to kind of skip over a little bit of the beginning of your career uh maybe we'll get back to it at some point but september of 2000 you were traded to sacramento from toronto yeah um, what do you remember about your feelings of being moved and kind of your first impressions of being in Sacramento? You know, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. My wife and I were looking for a home on the outskirts of uh, Seattle, and we ended up not buying it, but we were looking around, and all of a sudden the phone rings, and I'm out on the on this yard because it was a pretty big piece of land, and she's like, honey, honey, come over here. And so I get over there and she's like, you got traded. And I said, uh, give me the phone. And she goes, before, before my agent could tell me, she's like, it's Sacramento. And she was like, Sacramento. And I was like, right away, right away. Because I, we had obviously played against them, not to mention Sacramento for a player is a destination spot from the standpoint that you really enjoyed coming through Sacramento and playing in front of the fans. First of all, they were going to be there because <laughs> there's some places that, you know, Brendan, like everyone doesn't get to travel around the NBA, but there are some places where you go and it's a bit desolate. There's not a lot of people in the stands or, but, but Sacramento always brought it. So for, um, immediately I was like, Whoa, okay, man, we're going to get to play in front of some people. Then I said to myself, Okay, they got Webb. I know they got Jay Will, and Vlade is a friend of mine from my rookie year with the Lakers. So I, I was, I looked at her and I, I grabbed the phone, and you know how you put the phone down. I put the phone down. I looked at her. I said, "Don't worry about it. It's all good." And right then, I just, I, I knew. Now, it, it took a second for obviously for me to get here, and at that particular time, also they brought in Bobby Jackson. So uh, once I got here and we got into practice and then I just kind of went oh boy we, we we got something happening and as you know the people saw in, in my opinion still we were for a year or two the absolute best team in the NBA 
Yeah, and can you kind of speak to the uniqueness of that team? You know, everybody talks about the passing, um, but can you just kind of speak to your experiences with with that squad that was so extremely talented? Like you said, you feel like the best team in the NBA for a good stretch. You know, um, we didn't win a championship, so we don't get the credit that we deserve, in my opinion. And that, that credit, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But, <laughs> um, you know, Teams who, like San Antonio Spurs, for instance, I, I mean, an incredible team. When we played against them, they didn't play the quote-unquote beautiful game, but they get credit for that. The same with, you know, teams like you look at Golden State. Steve Kerr said as much to me before they won their first championship, and when I asked him, it was my first year doing uh, radio, so I, I asked him, what do you think you're going to do different from Mark Jackson in his response? response to me is he was you know Steve's a thoughtful guy so he took a second and he said you know actually Doug what we're going to do is we're going to steal some of what you guys did and we're going to put Andrew Bogut at the high post and we're going to pass and cut and use our shooters and different things like that um, but what we brought and I think Sports Illustrated uh, illustrated uh, illustrated it perfectly by saying the greatest uh, show on court and it was the ability for our superstar, which was C. Webb, to be unselfish enough because he could have went for 30 and we could have probably lost more. But he chose to get us all involved. Then you got a leader like Vlade who knows how to work with everybody, and everybody could do everything, meaning that Bobby could dribble, pass, shoot, jump, stop, uh, Webb could, Vlade could, Peja could, I could, Hito could, Mike could, Jay Will could. I mean, you go on. Every and that was different than what we had seen. You know, not probably since '70s basketball with the New York Knicks uh, did we see that type of thing. Did we have interior play? Yeah, we had dominant interior play with Vlade throwing the ball, the nice hook shot, smooth operator moving around. Webb with his interior presence as well, but also they could step out on a pick and roll from 17 or 18 feet and knock down the jump shot. In today's game, they would shoot the three ball. Vlade always wanted to shoot the three ball. He always wanted to dribble a lot, but <laughs> he didn't necessarily get to unless he got a rebound and we were already breaking. Um, we also revolutionized what uh, Willis uh, – no, it wasn't Willis Reed. I have to think of uh, – the name will come to me. But the ability to outlet pass without having to come back to the basketball. And how you do that is your big guy grabs the ball and he's able to put it on the deck one or two times, sometimes bring it the whole length of the court, but most times one or two. Now I don't have to, to, to come back. I'm in a full-speed run. And they have the ability as a big guy to pass the ball on the move. All those things, um, when you put them together, Brendan, and, and then you also, as I mentioned with Webb, the unselfishness that when it starts at the top, it permeates through the team. And truly, truly, I had – it was what I call basketball nirvana for me because – there was uh, – everyone was happy for everyone's success. You know, Bobby gets the sixth man of the year. He, everyone's happy. Uh, Webb's an all-star. Vlade's an all-star. You know, it, it wasn't about that. It was about us. It was about us winning. So when you put all that together – I don't know that that had even been seen before because normally even like when we look at the last dance or when Shaq and Kobe uh, split apart, uh, th there's tension. And for us, if there was anything, we, we chatted it up and rapped about it and, and let it go because we understood that it was bigger than any individual. Yeah, and it's funny because you talk about, like, these outlet passes, the bigs handling the ball a little bit more. I mean, everybody saw it, obviously, but it's a lot of what's going on in the modern game. 
And before we kind of get to that modern game, who do you feel like were some of you, your personally toughest guys to guard and maybe just the days that you look forward to most when you saw them on the schedule? You know, for, for me, I mean, especially being a two-guard in the Western Conference, it, it, I look forward to every night. I mean, it, first of all, it's a, it was an honor to, to don the Kings jersey in front of our, our Arco Arena fans. I mean, there was nothing like it. So I never wanted to miss a game because it was an opportunity to to go out there and, and do my thing. Um you know, obviously, even before I got here, we just watched The Last Dance. Michael Jordan is, you know, when it comes to trying to – he has everything. And that is as close to difficult – I mean, impossible, excuse me, as you can get. As I look back on it and we watch what Kobe said on The Last Dance, uh, we can blame Michael for <laughs> some of the inadequacies that I had tried to guard Kobe because he, he he showed him a lot of different things that Kobe really perfected in a lot of different ways. And Kobe was another guy who th- – those type of players, I call them self-checks. I mean, you can do – you know, you might try to get in their head. They don't let you in. You get physical. They've worked in the weight room. Now they're they're strong enough to handle the hits. You can you can't send them right. You can't send them left. You can't back off of them. So you just have to play quality defense and try to move them off their spot and all the different things that go along with it. So obviously Mike and Kobe come to mind, uh, but Ray Allen, um, Allen Iverson, uh, I mean T Mac. Uh, I mean these these. This was an, every single night you're going to be facing somebody. And uh, not only for me, because when I I say it, I mean, when I was subbed out, Bobby most times was coming in, or he had come in for Mike sometimes. So then he had that responsibility as well. It was a – we were – we had a couple individual defenders, myself, Bobby, uh, Scott Pollard comes to mind. But more than anything, Brendan, we were a team. And it was team defense. And I talk about this when I work with athletes or I I talk about basketball is the ability to communicate. And the higher the level of communication, the better you're going to be on the defensive end of the floor, on both ends of the floor. You know, there's obviously uh, verbal communication, there's visual communication, and then there's the, the type that it's I'm looking at you and you're looking at me and we, we already know. And for many nights on the defensive end, you know, early in my career, I, I, I might ha- I might look, you know, well, in the NBA, if you look, you're dead because a really good player is looking at you. And then after they see you, they don't, they're not looking at you anymore because now they're looking to the next spot and they're looking where they want to go. And for Vlade and Chris and uh, Scott Pollard and Lawrence and all these different guys was the ability for, for us to have a conversation. I could keep my eye on my guy and I could hear them and they would be talking to me. So it wasn't just me, man. It, w- it was about the team, and they helped me more than – I mean, even when you watch the um, – it's just been on uh, uh, social media, the Robert Ori shot. I mean, you know, I'm on Kobe. Uh, I got him. He gets by me. But Vlade comes over and helps, right. makes him miss the shot. And those are the type of things that you, you got to have, and especially in today's game. You're not stopping nobody. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everybody sees that communication with that with that squad for sure, like you're mentioning. And I gotta ask about it. Was it satisfying? You feel good after uppercutting Big Fox, man? 
Uh, nah, because I could use all that money right now. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, you know, just stack, stack that bank account up, no doubt. Nah, you know what? Um, I, I would trade any of that in, man, for a championship and, and to um, watch the Sacramento Kings faithful absolutely lose their mind on uh, Capitol Mall. And that, that for me, would, would be everything. I, I think, you know, I... I I did an interview on uh, NBA legends for the all-star break and, and Rick was, uh, Rick Fox was one of the interviewees and, you know, we, we chatted it up about that. I mean, it's, it's, I know it like in today's game, it's, it, there's not, but it was, it was real, man. Like we didn't necessarily like each other and that's okay. Right. I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we, we're the Kings. We're coming for you and you're supposed to, you better feel some way about it. Cause if you don't, we're going to smack you and that's, that's okay. And we got close. We didn't get over and hats off and much respect due. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, bet online. NASCAR is back, and BetOnline has hundreds of other games, events, and sports you can get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Yeah, and how do you feel about sort of the other side of it now where it's a little more buddy-buddy and the, the opposing players are talking more often and, you know, maybe there's not as much crap talk? How do you feel about the transition to today's game? You know, it, it doesn't have to be necessarily the trash talk, but they're, um, it's, it's different. And that doesn't mean it's bad. It's just it, there, there's a the difference in it. Um, you know, you want to draw a line in the sand because we're we're competing. And, uh, you know, I can remember playing with uh, Pat Riley, and he was one of the best at this, was, I mean, some of the conversations and the talks before the game and different things, like, like it's us versus them, period. There is no middle ground. Now, when we're done, we can go chop it up, uh, eat, right. golf, whatever you want to do. Before these 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. And that's, you know, for, for me, that's where I'm at. But that's okay if, if somebody isn't. I, it just that's not, you know, I'm not the person for that particular thing. That's all. No yeah. And from an outsider point of view, it still seems like within those 48 minutes, these dudes are going at it and got that same mentality. Um, and to kind of transition to after your career, what made you decide to want to come back to Sacramento and continue being an analyst, eventually broadcaster? What brought you back to Sacramento? You know, oddly enough, um, uh, Darren Gross and uh, Alma, Godina, uh, Alma Godinez, 
who work for the Sacramento Kings, and, and actually they don't work, and neither one of them work for the Kings any longer, um, they contacted me to do a camp, and the camp, oddly enough, was for Golden One Credit Union, who is now Golden One Center, uh, where the Sacramento Kings play. I came up, and I was living in Los Angeles uh, with my wife and son, homeschooling my son, and they said, hey, you know, we'd like you to come up and do a camp. Uh, they knew that I was training athletes and stuff, so I put together a program, came up, trained, uh, or uh, did the camp for Golden One. It, it went well, went up to the office, sat down with uh, with Alma and uh, Darren, and we were kind of talking like this, like we're talking. We were just talking about all the King's times and different stuff, and uh, lo and behold, I get back home, and it was like an interview. I didn't know it, but they offered me the um, pre and post radio job, and I said, huh. ah, you know, I'm living in L.A., and they said, ah, don't worry about that. We'll set up, uh, send somebody down. They'll set up some stuff in your house, and that's how that's how I started. I, You know, initially I went to college for communications, but I went in and I was like, ah, I don't really, this is not really – but, you know, things are weird. They kind of happen in a different organic way. And then radio went to a couple spots on TV, and then it went to full-time uh, pre and post on TV. And then I did a couple games uh, with Grant, and it went to full-time with Grant. Um, so it is, it's been more organic, but it, it keeps me close to the game that I love. And truly, uh, Brendan, I think that's when you look at myself, you look at Bobby, uh, Jackson, you look at um, Peja, and you look at Vlade. Uh, I mean, we're all back here for a reason, man. We, yeah. we have unfinished business. You know, we 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 got close. We we felt it. We were there, but we didn't consummate the deal. And for each one of us, um, it would be uh, a great great accomplishment to watch this Kings team be able to don the Larry O'Brien trophy and anything that I can do to help further them along their way. Um, right now it's the microphone and, uh, you know, being around and paying information forward, man, I'm, I'm with it. What were some of your struggles transitioning to that from obviously being a player before? It sounds like you weren't necessarily looking to do that. What were some of mm -hmm. the, the difficulties, you know, being behind a camera and being an analyst? Uh, and you got to kind of, maybe you don't have to, but I feel like you probably had to censor a little bit of what you feel compared to what you're actually putting out there. What was that transition like? You know, um, Jerry Reynolds, uh, one, of my, one of my favorites, he, he has done the job ever since the Kings have been uh, here in Sacramento and um, him and Grant Napier have just been tr tremendous for me because they've given me information and they know how I study. I, I, I don't go, oh, I'm a basketball player. I know the game. I do, but I study, and if I don't study, I don't feel right. So that, for me, was kind of how I played. So I kind of took that same idea. Uh, then the G-man, uh, Gary Gerald, has been incredible. He's on the radio side, but any of those three guys, any questions that I have, anything that they, they help me, I need help with, they, they've been there for me. Um, 
I, I won't say necessarily difficult. It's like on a job training, you know, some things that you just have to, you, you just have to learn. For me, probably the biggest thing has been the critique of the player because I understand that players aren't necessarily, they're not trying to mess up. I wasn't trying to miss my shot. I didn't want to miss that shot in game seven. I didn't want to miss two free throws versus Minnesota. It freaking happened. And that's part of it. So for me, I just, so I, I learned, I just try to be honest about what it is that I'm seeing from my perspective. Uh, as long as it's, if it's effort, like I'm probably not your guy, <laughs> you right. know, uh, because I think that's a variable that you, that you take out. We don't have that problem. We got good guys. They work extremely hard. So I think that, and, and I, I'm there. I try to go to practice as much, shoot around as much as I possibly can. So I am, I'm there. If they ever have a problem with me, uh, please, you know, say something but that would be the hardest part for me was the ability to you know I just want to be I want to be authentic and honest and, and that's what I try to do as far as on the job training uh one of the you know I've got many lessons from Grant one of the ones that comes to mind <clears throat> is um we were watching the uh, NFC Championship game, and it was the miracle, the Minneapolis miracle, where they beat the Saints at the end. And if you listen to the call at the end, the the play-by-play guy is getting ready to go because it, the play is happening. And the, the color guy, my, my guy, he steps on him, and he starts, like, going nuts. So the next day, because I do radio with Grant as well, I went in and I asked Grant, and I think I asked him, I asked him off air, and then I said, no, 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 let's do it on air, because I, I, that's, I, I like the more organic, and Grant said, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, so when we got on there, he was like, yeah, he said he did, and he said a couple things, he said, when you are at home, you be quiet, because if it's a game winner, you let the arena breathe. You let the people do their thing. He said, if you're on the road, you can lose your mind because it's the library. <laughs> it's quiet. They're like, right. oh, my God, we just we just lost. So when um, Bogdan knocked down the shot, which was – it was pretty close to, to that time. I can't remember when it was, but we had just kind of had that conversation. And Grant always told me, if, if I do like this in front of your face, he said, don't take it personally. He just – he said, just – it's a time for us to be quiet. And now I kind of know, but for instance, in that time, if we hadn't had that conversation, he hadn't given me that information and he didn't put his hand up, I would have lost my mind when Bogdan hit that shot. Right. First of all, it's the Lakers. It's we're at home. I'm like, so he, he, Bogdan bang, knocks down a shot. Grant puts his hand up and I, and I sit there, Grant stands up and I'm just like, Wow. I mean, to watch it happen in front of you, those are lessons like you go to school for, I don't know, however long you want. Until you're in that moment, you're not going to understand what that thing is, man. So I've got a lot of help, man. And uh, I, I'm blessed to have like Grant and Jerry and uh, Gary Gerald in my life. Yeah, guys. That uh, Luckily, I got to speak with uh, Grant recently, I spoke with Gary, guys that have been doing it for, what, 30-plus years. Gary's been in Sacramento yeah. since the team started. Um, yeah. And Grant said the same thing about the home and away, you know, kind of keeping quiet, letting the crowd do it um, while you're at home. And he also said that your prep is insane, that you got a bunch of paperwork in front of you, <laughs> of research of all these guys. What's, what are you looking at in front of you? Is it is it a bunch of stats? What, what do you kind of have laid out in front um, of you? You know, so I'm I'm usually 
putting like first of all like even when I do radio grant uh, for for the games it's a little different he does have stuff in front of him but he is a different dude man like it's all he's he's got it and uh we go down to radio he pulls up with his phone in his hand and I have like papers I have my iPad and phone and I got all this stuff you know right but when I do the game oddly enough you know when I was with the Kings I, I was pretty good, so I would be the player of the game a few times. And uh, back then, Gary Gerald sat on the floor, and it was right next to the where the table ended, right next to the bench. So um, I can remember going over and talking to him. And as I'm talking, I'm looking down at his notes, you know, and I, I never really registered. But subconsciously, when it was time for me to do a game, I didn't know what to write down. So I just went. I did. I just did it. And oddly enough, my very first game was on radio, and it it, it was at the um, Arco Arena. But you know, by then they had moved. They moved Gary up, so he's up top. So I'm up there, and I pull my notes out, lay them out, and then I look over at, at, at G-Man's notes, and I'm like, man, these look like totally like the same. But subconsciously, I had obviously I had been around. I saw something. I just kind of did it. So, you know, I, I got the players. I got height and weight. I got, you know, I make some notes on because I, I usually watch. I, I watch a lot of basketball. Like if it's on, I'm watching. You know, a odd like on a Tuesday, Washington and you know Minnesota. I, I'm watching it. Right. So. I'm looking for nuances of things kind of like when I play, what do they do? What do they not like to do? Does he, you know, where did, where do they get their shots at? And I'll make little notes and and different things. And then uh, statistically I'll go down usually on the, you know, what are they doing for the year? What are they doing in their last few games? Because that also means something too. A guy might be in a slump similar to a batter. Uh, and then I'd go along with the team statistics and, you know, percentages. And, and, and that gives me a lot of my keys and different stuff that, uh, that, that you'll hear me talk about. But, you know, I, I'm always looking for little stuff, man, that, you know, you might not think about, but in the big scheme of things, it, it it's always going to mean something. Right. And I feel like that's what a lot of the color guys are kind of there to give that insight of what the normal watcher fan wouldn't really uh, see themselves. And, and you kind of touched on, you get a lot of experiences, obviously, with a lot of guys on the team currently. You're at the practices, you're at the games a lot and things like that. What are, uh, what are most of your interactions with these guys? Do you, is there any certain players or maybe just a lot of them that you're working with and kind of uh, sharing a little bit of the knowledge that you've spent throughout your times? Um, are you interacting and training, working with the, the guys on the current squad a lot? No, like I, I don't, I don't do that because that that's a delicate thing. I mean, we got an incredible coaching staff with Luke. I, I really like what I'm seeing and, and what they're doing with the players and how they're going about it. But Luke has been gracious enough uh, to allow me into practice. So, but sometimes I'll rebound for the guys. You know, like uh, I'll get up run out there and you know if they're working with multiple people I'll I'll shake some balls or something like that but for when we when we're talking about basketball it's more talking about basketball and that's kind of I I dig that like you know what are you looking at what do you see uh because everyone sees something different you know you know there's different shades of green 
and you're seeing light, I'm seeing dark, and they're, they're, so uh, on the pick and roll, and what do you feel for, and uh, what are you looking for offensively and defensively? There's so many different aspects of it. So more than anything, when, when I'm around, if we get into those type of conversations, I, I, I just love it. Um, but also just the gym atmosphere, man. Like for me, if there's one place in the world to be, for me, the gym is, is my spot. You know, I, I enjoy golfing. It's something I picked up, but it ain't basketball, man. It, yeah. I, I, if I can be in the gym, I'm in the gym. Yeah, for sure. I'm on a way lower level than you, man, but I feel you with a gym. It's just a comfortable environment. I'm talking way more in the gym than if I'm anywhere else. Um, so I, I, on a smaller level, I see where you're coming with that. Um, so you don't, you don't get to run any ones with any of the current guys, huh? You don't get to talk some crap and, like, lock up Fox. Nah, nah, ain't no locking up that dude, man. No, you don't think you could? Yeah, uh, <laughs> nah, I, ain't mess, I ain't messing with Fox is a, a Achilles problem. That's what he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to start, to, to start and stop. Um, nah, I, I, I watch, uh, I watch Bobby. He, he's out there with them. Rico Hines is out there. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, but for, for me, nah, I, I don't, don't necessarily do that. One time I, uh, Bogdan did ask me to come contest his shots because I, I'm more of a prototypical type of guy that he's going to see. Uh, but if asked, I, I do it because I, I I love it, man. There's just yeah. it's, it's nothing like it. I just there, you, there's nothing, and that's the one thing about like when you play basketball or professional sports. There's no fix for you. There just there's not. I mean, you know, the competitive juices of going golfing and competing. And, yeah, that's great, but it ain't hooping. It Yeah, and, and you touched on, obviously, a lot of the early 2000 guys being in the front office now or coaching or different ways, like Bobby Jackson, Divock, Peja. What's it like being around those guys now in such a different role compared to when you were players? Same thing. It's, it's, Same. it's, it's, it's like we just walked off the floor at practice. Uh, it, it's weird. Um, you know, we're in a different profession, so – but for us and the love we have for each other and the conversations, nothing changed. It's that's the one incredible thing when we're on the road and we go to dinner together and different stuff. It's just like, man, we are so blessed, living the dream to be able to be with people that we uh, tr- truly care for and being doing something that we truly love uh, for a team that we truly. I mean, like it doesn't get any better than that. So n- nothing really changed there, and I'm glad because if uh, Vladi and Peja was all stuffy towards me, I, I would be pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I know the fan base loves having you guys around, man, just as you did when you guys were players. And uh, with with everything going on right now with the COVID thing and talks of potentially coming back in a bubble site, you know, maybe this 20-team playoff sort of thing, how do you kind of feel about that potentially coming back? You know, I think it's a it's a good thing. Uh, I think it's going to all come down to the safety. And you know, once you when you continue to add a team exponentially, it inherently it has more risk because you know each team is going to bring thirty or forty people or whatever it's going to be. So um, you know, the Kings were in the playoff run three and a half back. Uh, I think they also were talking about San Antonio. They were, I think they were four games back. But you got New Orleans, you, you got the Kings, you got Portland, you got. San Antonio 
that would make up your 20 teams, no teams from the Eastern Conference because they weren't within striking distance. Um, this would be a chance for the NBA to try out some things, reseeding. You could take the 20 teams, split them up into four groups of five and play kind of that soccer type of style and come out in stages and who comes out of those things. I think there's a lot of different aspects that lend to a highly entertaining product for the for the fans, and that's more than anything. I think that's where we're at is trying to make sure that we deliver a product for the fans that uh, during these times, as you mentioned, are, are extremely, extremely tough. I have a feeling it's going to happen. How it happens, Brennan, I'm not really sure. Yeah, as long as it's safe, I'm sure everybody would love to have that back, uh, like I said, under a safe environment. And the last thing I'll throw your way here, Doug, if, if you could take one player from mm-hmm. their days in the early 2000s King squads any, and any of your teammates that you had and throw them on the current team, who do you think would be the most beneficial or who do you want to see the most? The most, who would be most beneficial? That would probably be me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, in today's game, I, I my size, um, you know, I, I shoot the three, play defense, handle the basketball. But oddly enough, Brendan, with this question in our team, where where it's crazy. Can you imagine Paige shooting 16 three-pointers in a game? Man. Can you imagine Bobby with his speed and cutting and shooting? How about Webb and the fact that Webb and Vlade were today's big man back in 2000? I mean, there's not – so for me, like, you know, I'm being selfish. I'm saying myself. You just want to get but, back out there. <laughs> right. Uh, but to be honest with you, that's that was the beauty of that team. We we – in this current era, we would, I mean, even me, I mean, the confidence that a coach would give me to say, uh, you can shoot 10 three-pointers in a night. Dude, on that night that I catch fire, I'm going for like, I don't know the number. Like, Bobby is like going for a crazy number. Uh, first of all, Webb, and this is the other thing, it's like, Vlade and Webb would catch the ball at the elbow, and we would cut off of them and get layups. The floor being more spread, now they're catching it at the three-point line, and we're cutting off of them because they're going to shoot the ball from the three-point line just like they shot the ball from the elbow. Any any player, uh, especially in that in that t- top six, that w- with those type of skill sets. And we would have a we'd have a blast in today's game, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everybody would love to see that if it was possible, man. And but I think that's all I got for you here, Doug. Uh, I can't say how much I appreciate you coming on, and taking the time out of your day, man. All good, B. I appreciate it, man. Go Kings. Yep, go Kings, man. Really appreciate it. I hope you stay safe and have a good rest of your day, man. You as well, B. Be well, man. Take Thank care. you too.